so in case one, um, what you have is people putting plants on the page, essentially. So we have an amazing, um, one of these new acquisitions that I just mentioned, an herbarium um, by someone that's been difficult to trace, but um, his name was Alexander Thompson. This is 1820s. Uh, we don't know exactly who he was, but the herbarium is meticulously assembled. So it's somebody with a great deal of knowledge of when to collect plants on a sunny, dry day, how to preserve them. Um, he seems to have had either, either he traveled himself or he um, had contacts in really North America, states of Florida, but also South America. There are examples from Canada, there are, but then examples of specimens from Siberia. Siberia and Italy. And so it's quite a global collection of dried plants. So in this case, I was looking at how people were putting plants directly to the page. So we have that amazing example. But then we have um, a number of botanical handbooks. In the 19th century, one of the key writers on um, or one of the key handbooks, late 18th century, but continue to be published in more compact versions. And that's something you see in the 19th century, later 18th century books put into a more compact form so that people could use them as actual handbooks as they went to collect specimens. You have William Withering's um, Arrangement of British Plants. I chose a few different editions here at the Fisher to show how that book was translated into these um, or put into these Victorian forms. And then I was quite interested in the question of provenance, not provenance um, necessarily as who was that famous person who owned the book, but provenance in the sense of the material traces left within the pages of these copies. So what we would call copy specific information. So there's a copy of, um, um, Withering's Handbook, 1835, and one of the unique items here at the Fisher, one of its owners has sewn uh, in the range of 15 plant specimens to the pages of um, his or her, their handbook. And so for me, that's a valuable kind of provenance because you see how the person was using the book. And even though Withering recommends, um, you know, gives a lot of elaborate instructions on how to assemble, you know, these sort of um, very sophisticated herbaria, he does say, well, sort of in a pinch, you can just stick your plants between the pages of a book. And he probably had, didn't have in mind the pages of his own book necessarily, but this owner turned her copy of, or um, you know, their copy of this handbook into a makeshift herbarium. So that first case is looking at different examples of how people put plants on the pages of their books. Then we have another copy of Withering up there that was owned by the Strickland family. So this is um, Catherine Parr Trail, um, Agnes Strickland, and I, in working through this copy of Withering, an 1818 copy, the internal evidence that I found suggests that it was Eliza. It was Catherine Partrail's sister, Eliza, who owned this copy. She was really the one who um, had an early interest in botany in that family over in England at Raiden Hall, um, Suffolk. And 
so this copy seems to have traveled with um, Partrail um, over <laughs> to Canada, wound up in the Strickland, Dunn, um, Partrail, Moody family. Um, they're all related. And so within this copy, we have marginalia, probably by Eliza, talking about the plants that she has encountered, as well as plant specimens themselves. And so I wanted to put that on display as an example of um, you know, this family copy of a botanical handbook. And then just to kind of reattach the thread from that copy, the sort of Moody, Dunn, Strickland, Partrail copy, reattach a thread to then what became this landmark publication, Canadian Wildflowers, 1868, that Partrail and her niece, Agnes Chamberlain, published, which is a well-known Canadian book. Just sort of looking at that idea of collecting specimens and how that botanical fieldwork might translate itself into a printed publication.